It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another edition, a championship week edition. College football betting. I'm your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun championship week edition of the college football betting pod. First of all, I do want to apologize. Last week, uh, it was rivalry week. I had a bunch of you reach out and say, Torres, where was the show? I needed your help. I needed your advice. I apologize. I was traveling with family, just busy, tied up. And the one thing I'll say about this show, I will not put it out if I don't do the homework myself. This is not one of those shows where I just throw stuff against the wall I do the homework, I research, I look into things. Just did not have the time last week. This week I've been traveling as well, but I've spent a ton of time looking at all five of the Power Five Conference Championship games, and we're going to dive in. We're talking SEC, Pac-12, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12. So much to get into, so I appreciate your support. By the way, before we jump in, if you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Yes, It is championship week, but we will have bowl previews. We have college football playoff previews, national championship previews. And then in the offseason, when we start to get early look ahead lines, we start to get Heisman Trophy odds, you already know we will be pumping out episodes. So make sure you're subscribed because the content will not slow down. With that said, though, it is championship week. Don't want to waste any more time. Let's jump into those five power conference championship games. And you know. There really probably, frankly, is only one place to start. It is the SEC championship game in Atlanta, the game that I think most years we kind of hope we're going to see. We know about Alabama. Georgia has certainly gotten to, if not surpassed them, in terms of SEC supremacy. And we know what's at stake in this game. Georgia wins. They're not only in the college football playoff, but they're the number one seed. If Alabama wins, they're almost certainly in. And I think there is a scenario where if Georgia loses, they could get in. But certainly the loser of this game has their back against the wall. So there is so much on the line. This is the kind of game, keep in mind, people, a year from now with the 12-team college football playoff, we are not going. the stakes are not going to be the same in this game. So let's enjoy this one. There is so much on the line, including a trip to the college football playoff. Should mention, by the way, Georgia, a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. The over-under set at 54-and-a-half. And when I look at this game, a couple things. First of all, last week, was really interesting. We didn't do the rivalry week, rivalry week preview, but what stands out, the way that these two teams are entering this game, I don't think either of them played anything close to their best football game. I think both of them were frankly looking ahead. Remember, Alabama clinched two weeks, uh, three weeks ago, really. They played Chattanooga. Then they had this weird trip to Auburn where it's always tough to play, and we certainly know they did not play their best football. 
It was a game that was weird from the beginning. Auburn's in control. Even when Alabama's starting to get back, they can't really stop the run. And then, of course, we had the craziest ending. You know, I would argue one of the craziest endings in the history of college football. Not only the fourth and 31 from Jalen Milrow, but everything that set it up. The muffed punt. Remember, it was third and 20 at one point. Jalen Milrow had a 19-yard run to set up a fourth down, convert the fourth down. Then the snap goes over his head, setting up the fourth and 31 and he converts it. So it certainly wasn't the prettiest win for Alabama, but they survive everything that they were playing for coming in. They are still playing for going into this game. And of course, from Georgia's perspective, I think it was much the same. They clinched three weeks ago, but even when they clinched, they still had to play a game Tennessee team in Knoxville in one of the craziest atmospheres that they have played in during this run. So you knew they'd be hyped up for that game. Then they get the Georgia Tech game where, let's be honest, it's a rivalry game. It's on the road. It's mostly your fans. Don't think it was the best effort from either, but do think we're going to get a thriller in this conference championship game. In terms of the game itself, listen, I'll just be blunt. I think what this really comes down to is which team can make the other quarterback more uncomfortable. And I think we know that both quarterbacks kind of do it in different ways. I've talked about this for weeks with Georgia, right? Georgia, we think of them as power football, run it between the tackles, elite defense. They're so scary, NFL dudes everywhere. And that defense certainly is still very elite. But at the same time, you know why Georgia is 12-0 and and probably regarded as the best team in college football? It is because Carson Beck is having the best season that any quarterback, uh, I would argue, that Georgia has had under Kirby Smart. I don't even think it's an argument. I just think it's a fact. Top 10 pass offense in all of college football. They are throwing the ball on everybody, having great success, and that is what has led to these big margins of victory. Ole Miss could not stop the pass. Tennessee could not stop the pass. Um, You know, you go on through the list. Kentucky could not stop the pass. And Georgia, you add in the run game and the defense, which is always good, with an elite passing attack. That's how Georgia's putting up 40, 50 points a game on SEC opponents. From the Jalen Milrow, Alabama perspective, it's obviously different. Milrow's a different player. I've talked about it before. I give these th- this team and Tommy Reese so much credit for figuring out a way to make it work with him. Not an elite passer, but I think to his credit, he has gotten better over the course of the year. And what's funny is his rushing stats aren't like that insane either. Uh, you know, he's only got about 400 yards rushing. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, does he make the rushing yards count. 12 total rushing touchdowns. And as weird as it sounds, I think we think of quarterbacks making big plays with their arm. This guy always seems to make the big play with his feet. When they need a first down, when they need a big play, last week, before the 4th and 31, what ends up happening, he has, again, that 3rd and 20, he picks up 19 yards to put Alabama in position to convert a 4th down, which set up what was ironically the fourth and 31. And so when I look at this game, it is can Alabama's pass rush make Carson Beck uncomfortable? Can Georgia's run defense make Alabama uncomfortable? And I think both those defenses are are up for the task. When you look at these two defenses and where they rank, not only are they really good at what they do, they're really good at what they do specifically relative to what they're going to need to stop. So Georgia, the 28th-ranked run defense in all of college football. Alabama, the 15th-ranked pass defense in college football, which is a key going up against Carson Beck. And so when I look at this game, 
I want to dive in. I want to give you my pick. And I'm going to be blunt. First of all, I think the under is very much going to be in play. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be back and forth. Um, but I actually, I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I not only like Alabama to win, I like Alabama to win this game. And I like Alabama to, not only to cover, excuse me, I like Alabama to win this game. Way to, way to kill the big moment there, Torres. But listen, why I like Alabama, I'll tell you, it's a few reasons. First of all, one thing, put aside the Auburn game, okay? Because listen, you know, one thing I think that we as a society, I think we as a society are way too focused on the last thing that like, like we as a society have the worst attention span ever. And all we focus on is the last thing that we saw and not the bigger picture of everything. Why do I bring it up? After Alabama lost or after Alabama survived against Auburn in the Iron Bowl, and I know I'm tripping over my words here, but after they survived that game, all I heard was Alabama sucks. They're going to get killed by Georgia. They have no chance. And it's like, no, no, no. Think about the circumstances. First of all, think about this team. One, they have gotten better every single week, basically since the South Florida game in week three. Every week they look a little bit better. Narrow win against Ole Miss. Narrow win on the road against Texas A&M. Slightly bigger win against Tennessee. Slightly bigger win against LSU. They've gotten better every week. But I also think that this is a team. Remember, last year, this team was not good in big games. They did not have success. And they had nothing to play for late in the year. And so I bring it up because you can forgive this specific group for overlooking Auburn because I think they I think the, the the hype just got to their heads, right? Is that basically they they clinched the SEC championship game a few weeks before. They were able to uh you know play Chattanooga. Then you got this weird road game against Auburn where you're supposed to be fired up, but are you really gonna be fired up? Is it that big of a deal? We're gonna win, blah, blah, blah. And then what ends up happening? It ends up being close, low scoring, et cetera. And I just bring it up to very simply say that you never want to look over, uh, overlook a rivalry game. But I don't, I, you know, listen, a lot of these kids didn't grow up in Alabama. Like the rivalry means something to them. But the SEC championship going to the playoff means more. Like we could pretend the Iron Bowl is the biggest thing in the world to most of these Alabama players. No, they come to Alabama to win national championships and go to the college football playoff. And so I do think there was a look ahead thing. I'm not worried about the bad performance against uh, Georgia last week or against Auburn last week. And then I also think from the other perspective, I, I do think they match up nicely with Georgia. Thought it was interesting. I looked it up. Georgia has faced zero top 25 pass defenses all year long. Okay. Georgia on the season has faced zero top 15 pass top 25 pass defenses all season long. The highest ranked pass defense they faced all year was against the Auburn Tigers, which are ranked 30th. And so I bring it up to very simply say that look at the numbers. They face the 61st ranked pass defense in Ole Miss, 63rd in Missouri, 80th at Tennessee, 89th at Kentucky. Alabama top 15 pass defense, best pass defense they will see all year. I got Alabama not only covering, but winning this game outright. Final score 24 to 22. Alabama is your SEC champ. All right, let's switch gears and get to what I would say is probably the second biggest game of conference championship weekend. Now, they're all big because obviously all five conferences have playoff implications going into the weekend. But you talk about a very interesting game in Las Vegas on Friday night. So it is many of you are listening on Friday evening. It is the Pac-12 championship game as Oregon faces Washington. And what's interesting about this game, let me say this. I don't get a lot of stuff wrong. And certainly when it comes to like betting, I, I get plenty wrong. But usually I have a pretty good feel for what the line is, what the line will be, what the line should be. 
And so coming out of last weekend, when Oregon just throttled Oregon State and Washington barely survived once again, I kind of just assumed, like, like I thought it would be a pseudo hot take to say, I think Oregon is the better team and will be favored. But when I say will be favored, I thought it would be like a two, two and a half point spread. And I thought that would be sort of controversial because Washington beat Oregon head to head and Washington is undefeated. So you can imagine my surprise when I saw that Washington is a nine and a half point underdog in the DraftKings Sportsbook, Oregon a nine and a half point favorite, the over under set at 66 and a half. And when you look at this game, a couple things. I just find it interesting the difference between the two teams since they played in October, okay? Washington wins, Oregon loses. But there's no doubt that since then, and it's reflected in the point spread, that Oregon has been the better team. I think you can argue over the last five weeks, like Oregon has been maybe the best team in college football outside. You know, Georgia obviously certainly has the argument. But Oregon is right behind them in terms of just absolute domination of their opponents since they last played. Since these two teams played, I should say. The five games since they played, Oregon has won by 24, 36, nine against USC, which is a little bit deceptive because they completely dominated that game. 44 against Cal, 29 against Utah, 14 against Washington State. So you look at the last six games. I think I said five. The last six games, 14-point win, 29-point win, 44-point win, 9-point win that they control, 36-point win, 24-point win. They are playing as well as anybody in college football. And as I've said for weeks, think you can argue. I think you can argue right now. Oregon, are they the best team? I don't know. That'll get settled hopefully on the field. But I think you could argue they're the most complete team in this sport. Number two in total offense. Top 15 total defense. Number two in turnover margin. They take care of the football. They get after the quarterback. They turn you over. They do so many things well, and I can't think of one thing that they do really bad, although there is one thing that they do sort of bad that I want to get into momentarily. From the Washington perspective, I think it's interesting because I do think it's kind of crazy that a team that has not lost all year in a power conference, but on top of that, not only has not lost all year, but hasn't lost in about 19 games going back to last year, is a nine and a half point underdog in this game. And I think what it ultimately goes down to is that is the ultimate bulletin board material going into Vegas on Saturday. But I also think, listen, nine and a half feels like a lot to me. We'll get to it in a minute. But I I, I do think um, it's sort of justified just based on the way that they've played the last few weeks. Again, Oregon. Oregon has won five of their six games by double figures since the Washington win. Here are Washington's final scores. They beat Arizona State by eight. They beat Stanford by nine. They beat USC by 10, Utah by seven, Oregon State by two, Washington State by three. So in total, of the last six games that they have played, four have been one possession games. And oh, by the way, on top of that, the Stanford game, they trailed in the fourth quarter going in. And so you can understand how this is a nine and a half point spread. But the one thing that I will say about Washington, I'll give them credit for a few things. One, they're 12-0. Just give them credit. They know how to win close games. That is something Oregon has not proven they can do. But two on top of that, what I will say, in games where the weather is not bad, they move the football. And like you look at 24 points last week against Washington State, yeah, it was really bad weather in Seattle for the Apple Cup. 22 against Oregon State the other day, yeah, that was in a driving rainstorm in Corvallis. Uh, You know, the the, the 15-point win, you know, 15-7 to win over Arizona State, That was a game 
that had terrible weather in Seattle. I watched that one from start to finish while I was hosting Fox Sports Radio. So you look at the games where they haven't been able to move the ball. Bad weather. Everything else, 42 against Stanford on a perfect night, uh, 52 against USC on a perfect night, 35 against Utah in a game where the weather was not really a factor. So I believe they will be. They have ultimately been able to move the ball against everybody. And that is why, in my opinion, more than picking a side, I actually do like the over of 66 and a half in this game. Now, that's a lot of points. I get that. But at the same time, there basically hasn't been a game all year where the weather hasn't been a factor that Oregon has scored less than 30 points. So I think even going up against that elite Oregon defense that they put up 36 points against, don't forget, if you get 21 to 28 from Washington, then guess what? You're going to hit that over because Oregon is going to be able to move the football. And so if we assume Oregon is going to win, and some believe by double figures in dominant fashion, now I can't do that. I can't bet the spread because I can't bet against the team that I have bet against. I bet against Washington a bunch of weeks. I bet against them against uh, USC. I think I took USC to cover and maybe win outright. I took Oregon State to cover and win outright. I can't bet against Washington's, uh, or, uh, uh, Washington after what they've done. But what I do believe is when the weather has been good, they have been able to score. On top of that, it is worth noting, Oregon's pass defense, if there's something that resembles a weakness for them, it is the pass defense, 47th nationally in pass defense. So Washington, I believe, will be able to move the ball. And then if you like Oregon, I think you kind of assume that they'll be able to move the ball too. Washington's defense is not very good. Washington's defense does not get very many stops. And remember, they've played a lot of games in the in the rain and in bad weather, and they are still a team that ranks 124th nationally in pass defense. They are a team that ranks 42nd in run defense. And so on a neutral field, you think Bo Nix and Oregon will be able to move that ball. I will say that I think Oregon wins. I'm not picking them. I'm not picking Washington to cover. But if I had to lean a cover, I would pick Washington to cover because they play close games. They are not afraid. The, The defense is opportunistic. But more than anything, I like that over. I think Oregon is going to be able to move the ball. Washington, in good weather, has been able to score pretty much 30-plus points in every game. I'll say Oregon wins 38-30. to I'm not taking the cover, but I do like the over of 66.5. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. When we come back, we're going to preview the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC. Three very intriguing games. Quick break, B. Right Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's get to the other three Power Five Conference Championship games. We just talked the SEC and the Pac-12. Want to hit on the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC, where there is still plenty of intrigue. You know, I think we, we focus so much on if Georgia loses, what does it mean? If Washington loses, what about Oregon? Are they really in? Well, guess what? These other three games have intrigue as well. If Michigan loses the Big Ten championship game, I don't think it's definitive that they're in. Obviously, Texas needs to win and get in. And, of course, Florida is as intriguing in good ways and bad ways as anybody in the playoff picture. So let's dive in. Let's start with that Big Ten championship game. And if you're listening, if you're watching, yes, I am chuckling. Because, goodness gracious, there's two very intriguing things about this game. One, it is obviously the return of Jim Harbaugh. And two... Have you seen the point spread in the overrun? So the point spread, Michigan is a 22 and a half point favorite. That's probably not that much of a surprise. The over-under is set at 35 for this game. This feels like an AFC North, you know, old school Steelers-Ravens game. And I think most of you probably saw, but in DraftKings, they put out the first half lines, the first half over-unders. And actually, Iowa's first half over-under was 0.5. As in, are they going to score a single point? So DraftKings does not think that Iowa is going to suddenly turn around and suddenly become an offensive juggernaut, but let's go ahead and dive in. You know, listen, the great thing about the the show at this time of the year, I said it in the first segment, I've said it throughout uh, the last couple of weeks. We know who these teams are. You don't need me to tell you a ton about what they do well and what they don't. Both of these teams have elite defenses. Michigan is the number one scoring defense in all of college football. Iowa is the number four scoring defense in all of college football. Let me say this for Iowa really quick. Listen, I know they're a punching bag. I know they're easy to make fun of. And listen, 
I am guilty of it as anybody. But it is kind of amazing what they have done this year. You understand that Iowa has given up more than 16 points just once the entire season. 16 points. They've given up more than once. They lost 31-0 to Penn State. I'm not going to read all of their final scores, but the last couple games, 13-10 win over Nebraska, 16-13 win over Illinois, 22-0 win over Rutgers, 10-7 win over Northwestern. So three of their last four games, they have not broken 16 points and won all of them. It is kind of sort of incredible what they have done this year. Now, going into the game, let let me say this. I, I mentioned it off the top. The most interesting part of this game is the return of Jim Harbaugh. And listen, I'll say this. I think Harbaugh has done a good job of really kind of controlling the message. I think it'd be easy for him to be bitter, to be angry, to be mad, to take shots at the Big Ten. And all he's done is said, he came back to the podium on Monday and said, who's got it better than us? We're playing for a conference championship. Uh, This is awesome. This is great. And there's no negativity, no this, no blaming the Big Ten. So I think Michigan, listen, I think they're in the right mindset coming in. I think him coming back is important for two reasons. One, do think he brings a calm to that team? There is no doubt that J.J. McCarthy plays better with him on the sidelines. Uh, And I think he brings a calm to them, not just from how they play, but just from an ease, a relaxation. It's almost like having, you know, going to the blacktop with your big brother. You know he's got your back. That's Jim Harbaugh. I saw J.J. McCarthy drop a line this week where he said something to the effect of, you know, whenever I need to get that first hit out of my body to get out the jitters, he's the one on the sidelines coming at me with, I'm wearing full pads. He puts a shoulder into my chest just to get me going. That's what Jim Harbaugh does for this team. But the other factor, I haven't heard anybody talk about this. I think this is really important. And and by the way, maybe people have, I haven't consumed a ton of content. So if a, a, a college football podcast you listen to has talked about this, I apologize. But what I think is important, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about. Sharon Moore, you know what he's going to be doing? Calling plays this week, and that's it. And I don't think we give Sharon Moore enough credit for the work that he did as the acting head coach. He has to give the pregame speech, the postgame speech, the halftime speech, and he's got to call plays, and he's got to run an offense, and he's got to kind of be aware of what's going on with the defense. This week, he just gets to call plays and look at this offense and the difference with him when he is calling plays. The six games where he did not call, where, where, where Jim Harbaugh was not there. Three out of conference games, they scored 30, 35, and 31. And then last couple weeks, 24, 31, and 30. So they did not, they did not break 35 during that stretch. The six games that Jim Harbaugh has been there 31 points, 45 points, 52 points, 52 points, 49 points. When Sharon Moore can focus just on play calling, the guy is elite. And so when I look at this game, I think Michigan wins big. And I also like the over. To me, this game is going to play out like the last two Big Ten championships have, okay? If you've watched each of the last two, it feels to me like Ohio State is that monkey on Michigan's back. And once they get that monkey off their back, they play loose, they play free, and they dominate. Two years ago, beat Ohio State, dominate the Big Ten championship game against Iowa. Last year, beat Ohio State, dominate the Big Ten championship game against Purdue. You know what it kind of reminds me of? For you true sports fans, I grew up in Connecticut. The Boston Red Sox, when they won the World Series in 2004, first World Series since 1918, they had to beat the Yankees. They had to get through the Yankees, get through that. And then once they beat the Yankees, I I know this growing up in that area at that time, there was no way they were losing to the St. Louis Cardinals. Like, Like once they beat the Yankees, you might as well have just given them the trophy and didn't even need to play the World Series. 
That's how I feel about the Big Ten championship game. They're going to play loose. They're going to play free. They're going to put up points in a way that nobody has against uh, against Iowa except for Penn State. I think Iowa scores a garbage touchdown late. I think the final score is like 38-7. to seven. I love the over in this game. I love the over in this game, and I do think Michigan covers. If I had to make a best bet, I'd take the over in the Big Ten championship game. That's right, baby. Over 35 in this game. Quickly, let's get to the other two conference championship games. Um, Texas is a 15-and-a-half-point favorite against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. That game is at Jerry World and 11 a.m. kickoff. The over-under set at 55. And listen, a couple things stand out about this game from my perspective. One with Texas. It's the same thing I said about Alabama, only the exact opposite. Be careful about focusing too much on the last thing you just saw. For Alabama, the last thing you saw is negative. Everybody thinks they stink. Georgia's going to kill them. For Texas, the last thing you saw, they destroyed a bad Texas Tech team at home final game of the season. But even in destroying them, it was close till halftime. Remember, they had one big play in the first half, and then they had to settle for, I think, four different field goals, and it was close in the first half. Then Texas returned the opening kick of the second half, and the game was over, lights out, whatever. Don't want to discredit what Texas did. But that was one game in a 12-game season. And here are the other games that Texas has played in the lead-up to that Texas Tech game. They won by 50 last week. The week before, a 10-point win at Iowa State. The week before that, a 3-point win against TCU. The week before that, a 3-point win against Kansas State. A couple weeks before that, a 7-point win against Houston when Houston was driving. And so I understand some of that was without Quinn Ewers. I understand some of it was with Quinn Ewers coming back uh, from injury. But I just bring it up because this is a team that plays close games all year long. Sark gets those big leads, and then the other teams make adjustments, and they always seem to find a way to come back. The other thing about this game that's worth noting, Oklahoma State can put up points. Oklahoma State puts up a lot of points, okay? Ollie Gordon, their running back, is their, the leading rusher in all of college football. We talked about him a few weeks ago, 1,600 yards on the ground. What I don't think enough people realize, though, their quarterback, Alan Bowman, has been putting up monster stats the last couple of weeks. Okay. So if you take out the game after Oklahoma, so Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma in Bedlam. And then from there, um, you know, basically they, they play Central Florida the next week and it is a debacle and they barely are able to hold on in that game. Or excuse me, they get destroyed in that game. 45 to three was the final score. But if you take out that game, here are Alan Bowman's passing stats the last three or four games. 321 yards against BYU last week, 348 yards against Houston the week before that. And of course, he had a 334-yard performance against Oklahoma. Now, he is turnover prone, but I'm just here to tell you, I think the Oklahoma State's ability to score points, especially through the air, because Texas's defense and their run defense specifically is really good, but I don't think enough people realize that uh, you know Oklahoma State is going to score points. And again, I worry about Texas they're playing close games. There's a lot of pressure on them. They have not played in games of this magnitude. I do think Texas wins, which I think makes it interesting. But I think I'll go ahead and say Texas like 34 to 27. Texas wins, but it's close because it's Sark. It's what happened. Finally, you know, listen, we're not going to do any of the group of five games. If you want the Sun Belt or Conference uh, USA Championship preview, that's all you. Go do it. Live your best life. Find it somewhere else. We are going to wrap with the ACC, though. Most interesting game in many ways of the weekend. 
because Florida State is the the fly in the ointment of the college football playoff conversation. If they win, it obviously complicates things exponentially. Florida State, a one and a half point favorite over Louisville, over under set at 47 and a half. By the way, I think if you're listening to a podcast like this, you already know why they're the fly in the ointment. Their starting quarterback, Jordan Travis, got hurt a few weeks ago. They have not been the same team since. And listen, I think there's a fair argument about should they be in the playoff as a 13-0 ACC champ if they win this game. I also do think, however, by the way, I don't even know how I feel about that yet. I want to see how the games play out this weekend. But I also think it's kind of crazy to start these arguments before we even, like, we haven't even even had the games and people are already freaking out. Well, Georgia has to be in if they lose over Florida State. Or like, like, what are we doing? Just let the games be played. And here's the bottom line. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I like Louisville to win, Louisville to cover, Louisville to cover on the money line. You look at this game, there's two simple things. Florida State's offense was terrible last week without Jordan Travis. It was terrible. Now, I know they were on the road. I know Florida is a very tough place to play even when they're not good. But I think if it wasn't Florida, if it wasn't Billy Napier who constantly pulls defeat from the jaws of victory, I think Florida State probably loses that game, okay? So Florida State last week, the numbers are jarring. And by the way, remember this too about Florida State. They were going up against a backup quarterback in their own right. It's not as though they were playing the best version of Florida, and Florida's not even good. Florida State in that game finished with 224 yards of total offense. 224 yards of total offense and 134 yards passing. So they can't move the ball at all. And here's the thing about Louisville. Louisville's the exact opposite. Florida State won in a game that they did not play well. Louisville lost to Kentucky in a game that they largely outplayed Kentucky. Now, we got a lot of Kentucky-Louisville fans that listen to this show. I don't want to disparage Kentucky. Credit Kentucky. Credit Mark Stoops. Another win over their biggest rival. But Louisville in that game had over 100 more yards of total offense than Kentucky. And they lost the turnover battle 3-1. to If they just take care of the football, if they don't have those two fumbles, that's probably a game that they win. And so I look at this game. Louisville coming off a, a, a loss where that should have been a win. Florida State coming off a win that should have been a loss. And the other thing is, I just also like the matchup. Louisville, best run defense in college in, in the ACC. Why is that important? Florida State's going to want to run the football. They don't want to put the ball in the hands of their quarterback because, of course, their quarterback is the second stringer. Injury, no Jordan Travis. They're going to want to run the ball. So in my opinion, I think Louisville wins this game. I think the under is absolutely in play. I would say go ahead and give me Louisville final score, you know, 24 to 14-ish. I think the under is absolutely in play, but I think Louisville wins outright. If they do, Jeff Brom, shout out him. ACC championship in year one would be incredible, but I like Louisville to win. So those are your official AT best bets for the conference championship games. If you were not writing them down, I like Alabama to win in cover. That's my best bet in the SEC. In the Pac-12, I think the over is the best bet at 66 and a half. I take Oregon to win, but I don't love betting either side of the spread. Uh, In the Big Ten Championship game, my favorite bet is the over of 35. I also like Michigan to cover the 22 and a half. Uh, In the Big 12, I like Oklahoma State plus 15 and a half. And in the ACC, I like Louisville plus one and a half. And I like them on the money line. All right, I think that's it for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. First of all, let me say this. Appreciate everybody's support throughout the year. 
Uh, this is a fun, fun, fun show to do, but it's a grind, a lot of information, a lot of this, a lot of that. And sometimes, you know, you put in so much work, you're like, yeah, whatever. I bring it up because when I did not do the show last week, the response was overwhelming of Torres, I need this show in my life. You better get it out for championship week. So thank you guys and girls for your support, the championship week edition. And we'll be back next week to preview the college football playoff, bowl games, etc. But thank you guys and girls so much for your support. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. If you're not subscribed on YouTube, please make sure to do so as well. Thank you all. Enjoy the games. We'll have an episode next week to preview the college football.